Turn with me over to the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to continue our series on our mission. And there are three things that help make us, us, probably more than anything else. Now, there is the umbrella of who God has created us to be, and those are, that, is a, that is an unchangeable thing. We're sons and daughters of him, and we are inheritors of his covenant. But then for every house, there is a particular vision that he's given to that people, purpose, an intent for their being together. Ours has three prongs to it, a mission, a vision, and values. Our mission is to encounter Christ, to experience community, and then to extend the kingdom. Encounter Christ, experience community, and extend the kingdom. Today we're going to talk about what it means to experience community. Our values are fivefold. Lordship, evangelism, discipleship, leadership development, and family. Those five things are the grid through which we run all of our missions and all of our money and all of our purpose. If it doesn't fit in those, then we're not doing it. Or we change it so that it does fit in those. And then our vision is simply this, real simple. We're called to help win the city. That's what we're called to do. Now there's 7.6 million people that make up the metropolitan Washington area. No one church can win the city. Not any building big enough to, to house all those folks. But we can do our part. And we should do our part. And I don't know that we'll be able to do it in the generation that is mine. I probably will pass before we see Washington, D.C. bow its knee. But we build by way of our value system and our mission and our vision in such a way that the vision I have will be carried on to the next generation. So when I talk about family, it's not just about who we are as a people, as a community, and how we are defined by a specific purpose. It's about what inheritance looks like. So as a, as a pastor, my job is not just to care for you, but to make sure that I train other people to care for you well. And in doing so, I can't be protective of my authority. I have to be more like a dad than I am a pastor. Dads experience no more greater thrill than when their children are doing great. There's no greater thrill than that. Even though they might be successful and climb the corporate ladder and make all the money, if their kids are messed up, they got something broken in their soul. If they don't climb the corporate ladder and their kids do great, they cry for tears. Just tears of joy. Happy. So when you think like a dad rather than an employer, now you're thinking about giving an inheritance rather than hiring people. Are you listening to me? And so we hire people, but I, I try to only hire sons and daughters. I'm not talking about nepotism. I try to hire people that have our mission and vision and will carry on that which God has called us to do and build. And thus, when I pass, people will miss me, but it won't matter. Are you listening to me? It won't matter. Because somebody with a different personality, probably a little bit more energy than me, will be carrying on the same stuff on how to see DC1. Different iteration, different idea about how to put things together. Same vision. That's what you give sons. Hirelings, people that you hire, have their own idea about how ministry ought to be, ought to be done, and they are here to be equipped to do their, their, their vision, their mission. Not so in this church. 
Now, it doesn't mean we have made mistakes, and, and we thought somebody was a son, and they, they weren't, and they wanted to. But the standard operating procedure is to do it that way. So that 40 years from now, when I am only able to counsel, <laughs> I'm not gone yet, 40 years from now, somebody will be doing the same thing we're doing now, trying to say, okay, we planted now 60 churches, and we still haven't won the city, so let's keep going. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, experiencing community. And may I say that last week was a pretty memorable week in that we had a, had a birthday that we, uh, we commemorated, Dr. King's. And everything about who we are is built on what that man did. Everything. When I was growing up, doing what I do with the people with whom I do it now was not possible. I couldn't fellowship with white folks. Not like this. I surely couldn't be the pastor who was looked at as somebody white folks could actually follow. That never could happen. And because of that man's legacy, we're able to fulfill the vision that God has given us, and I'm very grateful, which ties into the message today, experiencing community. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 27. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he has desired. If, if all were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are members, there are many members, but one body. 21, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable on those we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Verse 26. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Now, you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Lord, help us as we study. Four things on this passage about which I want to talk to you. One, that you need to be properly placed. Two, parts are not just parts. Three, there is pain and preference. And four, we're called to be the proxy for Jesus on the planet. Paul is doing everything he possibly can to try to help the Corinthians understand what unity looks like and feels like. A very disunified group of folks. They more concentrate on their gifting and their priority in terms of who was there first or who's the most anointed rather than really caring about the body overall. All of 1 Corinthians 12 is about making sure that you defer to other people and recognize the gifts you have. And the gifts you have are not for you, but they are for somebody else. So if you have the gift of healing, it's not so you can get rid of your cold. The gift of healing is so somebody else can get rid of theirs. Every gift God gives is for other people to receive the grace that you have on your life in order that they might become something they couldn't become on their own. He's trying to help the body come together. And this was a pretty divided church, Jew and Gentile. Some people thought better themselves than others. Some people were more gifted than others. They were in a lot of confusion, and Paul was trying to bring unity. And unity is that... Is that is that mystical thing that only God 
can give. Man can't produce it. God must give it. But man is called to steward it. So what God grants, we are called to preserve. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3, be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So that which God gives us in terms of unity, we as a people are called to preserve. Work hard, he said, diligently. And it takes a lot of work to be unified with somebody else. Hmm. Let me say it in a more convicted way. It takes a lot of work to be unified with you. In a deeper way. It takes a lot of work for you to be unified with you. I mean, you don't even like you sometimes. You look in the mirror and you think, what are you doing? What were you thinking? That was dumb. But you have no choice but to be with you. We are called to be an expression of Christ's body. Now, please understand this religious term that we have coined, the body of Christ, came from Paul. And when he was talking about it, Peter didn't coin it. John didn't coin it. Paul coined this idea. And when he's talking about it, he was really trying to help people understand what the church should be. It's not just a synonym for church. It actually is a definer of church. We are his body on the earth. Jesus said it like this, they will know that I exist and that you are mine by how you treat each other, by your love one for another. That's how the world is supposed, one of the witnesses that we are to give is not only the gospel, this wonderful message that we preach, but what, the other witness that we are to give, my goodness, I just got this thing, God help me, I don't even know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And people know I'm a preacher. Why are they calling me now? <laughs> I'm serious. I got it on Friday. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I've read the manual. I've talked to all of my teenagers that know so much more about technology than I do, and I still don't get it. <laughs> we are called to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And that means that it goes beyond just our willingness to tolerate somebody to the point at which we don't do anything wrong to them. We, we are so messed up that, that we think if we haven't done something wrong, we've done right. So if somebody verbally abused me and I mustered up the self-control to not strike back with words, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't say what I wanted to say. Hallelujah. And we pat ourselves on the back thinking we've done something really good. When all we haven't done is do wrong. When, do you, when in any environment do you get credit for not knocking off a 7-Eleven? I mean, have, have, have you ever been praised by people when you come out of 7-Eleven thinking, that was great. 
great. It just doesn't happen. But we get so excited when we don't do wrong that it feels like we've done right. That's how messed up we are. So simply because you haven't gone off on somebody doesn't mean you've done anything good. Relationships are intentional. So if you don't like somebody, simply because you haven't expressed that doesn't mean you're, you're fulfilling your obligation as a Christian. You may not like them, you say, but I love them. And theologically, we're trying to put ourselves in compliance by saying that. But love is active. So if you don't like them and you love them, but you never talk to them, you never write them, you don't do anything to show how much you care about them, how are you loving them? And so being diligent to preserve the unity of the body in in a spirit of peace means you got to be active on this thing. And probably one of the best ways to understand how you are to engage your faith relationally is when somebody grates you the wrong way. When you don't like somebody, that's an opportunity. Jesus said it's easy to love the people who love you. But what happens when you have people who don't love you? He said, the Gentiles know how to love folks who love them. That's easy. I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. He didn't just say, don't get them back. He said, be proactive. And do what, do to them what God did to you. You weren't very lovable and really still aren't. I am the chief of sinners in that area. God chased me down. That song we sung today, he chased me down when I was running from him, caught up with me and brought me in and didn't just make me a a servant. I would have been happy with that. He he gave me his name. He adopted me. He made me a son. Who are you? And all he asks is for us to do the same with others. So first, you got to realize where you're placed. What part of the body are you? How do you function in the body? God places as he sees fit. You can't, now I realize you're involved in the process, but listen to me very carefully. You cannot just decide where you want to be, whether it's location or people. You really need to pray and say, God, where do you want me? Because you may have to move from the spot you thought was best, and it might cost you a lot. So you want to be in the middle of the will of God in this area. You don't want to be guessing. And generally speaking, I know it sounds like I'm speaking from a pastor's perspective, and sure enough, this is how you would talk, Brett. But I don't make, I don't ma- I don't make many decisions without thinking about you. I was, um, this church has been around for a while, 35 years, and I was, um, I've been here since the beginning, since day one. I wasn't pastor. I was only 21 when I came, reaching out to Howard University and as a campus minister. But in 1991, and I came here in 82, the senior pastor decided he wanted to do something else. That didn't come just in a vacuum. Our church wasn't doing well at all. It was, it was sick. We were never large at that time. We'd, we were about 180 people, 
at the most. And uh, after a period of a couple of years of um, less than wise decisions, we had gone down to, to about 75. So we'd lost almost two-thirds of our congregation. And people weren't happy. They were questioning one another and leadership. And I was a part of leadership. And I, was, I had my pastor's back. And, um, but it was a tough period. And I, I, I had opportunities where people were coming to me and asking me, would you please do this? You've heard of James Dobson? Well, back then they were looking for someone to, to touch people on the right side of the radio dial. Black folk know what I'm talking about. See, all the black stations are on the, right, the far end of the dial. It's true, true. The white stations are on the left side of the dial. We know that because we've got to turn them all the way to get there. <laughs> now, you don't have those anymore, so it doesn't make any difference. You just push a button or it's programmed. But when I was growing up, we had to know. <laughs> got to it. But Dobson's message wasn't reaching us. In fact, most African Americans had no idea who he was, but he was changing evangelical world amazingly with family message. And I was desperate to get that family message to a group of people that desperately needed it. They found me and wanted me to be the representative for everything they were doing for the African American community. I said, it's great. We're going to give you book deals. We're going to have you be speaking and you have your radio program. I said, wonderful, this is my dream. I want to see the African-American community restored in the area of family. This is great. He said, one, one thing, though, you got, you got to move to, to uh, uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. How many black people in Colorado Springs? You no, know, that's not the issue. You have to be at the home base. That's where our offices are. I said, I'm sorry, I'm not leaving my people. I don't care how much money, I don't care how much opportunity, I don't care what kind of notoriety this might give me, I don't care what kind of stage I'll have, platform. I'm not leaving my people. At that time, um, we had dipped down to 53. And that was a mad 53. They were paying me a whole lot more money, at least offering me that. I ain't leaving my people. I don't just take spiritual opportunities. Occupational progress, it doesn't mean a thing to me. Though naturally it would mean a thing to me. But I've confined myself to say I'm thinking about your body more than I'm thinking about me. And so I stayed here with very little money. Not complaining. It's a badge. It's my privilege. And, and look, you showed up a few years later. <laughs> Not mad. I make very few decisions without thinking about you. And it doesn't have much to do with my occupation. It has everything to do with my priorities. I know where I'm placed. Do you? You ought to know where you're placed. And you ought to be a part of a small group someplace in our church. That will help you understand why you are here relationally connected to somebody at some point. 
pouring into somebody else, helping somebody else, being connected to somebody else. Our small group structure is amazing. And you will be bettered for it when you join. Secondly, parts are not just parts. The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor can the eye say to the foot, I have no need of you. Every part means something. And though the parts of the body that seem to be more prominent, seem to be more important, they aren't. This is what Paul says, and you have to read it real carefully. He says, there are parts which we think are less strong or deem less weak or more weak. He didn't say they are. He said that's what we think about them. There are parts that seem to be less presentable. That's what we think about them, but they aren't. They just don't get the pub. Oh, you have a fabulous administrative staff in this church. Jessica Carson, Shamika Shahid, Lou Generous, Ashley Moss, all these people, Eddie Barnes, they work hard. You don't even know who they are. But they help to create the environment that allows you to come in and just sit. Allows you to be unhindered in receiving from God because the atmosphere is clear. There's no smog that you got (coughs) to before you can take a real deep breath and feel the spirit of the Lord here. It doesn't mean we have a perfect atmosphere. If anybody understands that, it's me because I know how much I can mess it up every week. I pray to God, don't let me say anything dumb out of my mouth. Help me to direct these people in the way you want them to go, not me. God, please make us the kind of people you want us to be. I cry out to him regularly for that. And so I know what I can do to mess up the atmosphere. But that I don't do it regularly says a lot to what God has done with us and with me. That we want this to be a place of safety and hope and a place where you can find your purpose. Remember, Moses was a good man doing a good thing caring for sheep, but he did not find his purpose until he found his people. Moses, you can get out here and keep pastoring sheep. Have at it. You've been doing it for 40 years. You're really good. And I know you got a re- retirement plans down in Tampa. you got a house down there. I got it. But I'm calling you to your people because you're going to do some amazing things and folks are going to be talking about you forever. But unless you find your people, you won't find your purpose. It's hard to find your purpose without finding your people. But when you find your people, boy, oh boy, you can find your purpose because you get connected in the right spot. And parts don't just become parts. They become a part of a whole. And they work together the way they're supposed to. They're not not uncoordinated. Oh, the body of Christ is just so uncoordinated. Do you know why you like to look at somebody, my generation, Michael Jordan or or Shaquille O'Neal or Daryl Green or Kobe or so? How about Barishnikov? Somebody who can do whatever they do at a very high level. You know why you like to look at it? Because they're coordinated. You wouldn't want to look at me do any of that. <laughs> I can jump, I can run, but I can't do it like that. When they do it, it looks like, it looks like, I didn't know humans could do it like that. That's amazing. But the body has parts that are moving without other parts knowing it. It just happens all the time. And and you sit there and you say, Brent, you just hit yourself in the head right. 
That's what the body does all the time. Now, in order for me to make sure that this part that was uncoordinated, not moving with the rest of the body, didn't do some damage to the rest of the body, it had to submit to something that allowed it to stop. Now, most of us don't like authority. We think it's really a very controlling word, but we do like our own authority. We just don't like somebody else having it with us. Clue. For the rest of your life, you will be privileged if somebody can tell you what to do. Men who are married. Thank God every, wife, every day that you have a wife that can tell you what to do. You who have friends that get in your business, go home today and thank God that they're in your business. Lord, they care about me like that. Nobody cares about me like they do. Yeah, they make me mad every time they talk about my stuff because I see their stuff too. I see their stuff. I see their stuff. They got some issues. But the psalmist said it like this in Psalm, I think, 145. Let my brother smite me in kindness. My head will not refuse it. It is like oil to me. When he rebukes me, I'll be happy. Sir, may I have another? Thank you very much. I've disciplined my soul so that when somebody brings me truth that is hurtful, and sometimes they bring it in a hurtful way, I dismiss the way it came. I take the package and put it to the side. Say, Lord, what are you saying here? I thank you for delivering that to me because that shows you care about me still. When a coach stops coaching a player, he doesn't care anymore. He doesn't care anymore. Why? Because the player ain't listening and whatever he says is not going to make any difference. That when God begins to talk to you and it may not be pleasant to your ears, but he's talking, it means he cares. And you need to hear it, not just from him, because you, you don't have it like that. You aren't the person that only deserves to hear from God only. <laughs> you need people around you. So the body can be the body and parts can play their part. And when we understand this thing about parts, we understand that there are some parts that we deem less presentable and deem more weak, but they are not. And then there are parts that we deem less honorable, but when we get to the place of understanding what that honor should be, when we honor them, all of a sudden, something happens. People begin to realize that's a good thing. I was at my doctor's office in December. And uh, it's, a ma- it's a husband and wife team. They're fabulous physicians. They, they just got this thing going on. It's just unusual and canny. And I, they, all my blood work and my vitals and all that, they, I, they took them and, and I came back uh, a little later. And they were talking to me about them. And they said, well, well sir, you're 57 and, and you've got a heart rate at 42. Your heart rate's... Rest-. He said, we're really concerned about that except that you say you, you exercise. And so I guess that's a good thing, 42. You, but but it's, at some point, you can get so low where it stops. You do know that, right? You, <laughs> but when your heart rate is low, that means it doesn't have to work as hard to get whatever it needs to the rest of your body. So I was sitting there and saying, and every time they said something good about my report, I went, yes. Your cholesterol, yes. Your PSA level, which doesn't exist, yes. I just went all through. It was all great. I said, what do you do? What do you do? 
We don't have any 57-year-olds. It's like a 25-year-old body. What are you doing? I said, well, I do this, I do that, I work out. I, don't, I do stuff I don't like doing. But it's the grace of God. Because I know a lot of people who do a lot of good stuff and they still suffer. The grace of God is all over my life and I'm grateful to him every day. But I'm letting you know that parts of my body responded to how other parts of my body were doing. My mouth said, yes. My fist clenched in the tiger woods. Yes. I was just excited about what was going on in other parts of my body. And you don't see them, you don't feel them, but they show up on a blood test. And that lets you know how other parts of your body are doing. I consider them less honorable. I don't deem them as strong as other parts of my body. I need my mouth more than I need anything. But when my other parts are, I say, yeah, that's great, baby. I love, thank you, Lord. That's amazing. Go spleen. (laughs) (laughs) That's the way the body does. My last point, pain and preference. The body responds when other parts aren't doing as well. And the body responds when other parts are doing great. The body is not concerned about somebody else doing so well and them getting honor and I didn't get it. That's small. Listen to me. Whenever somebody else is getting theirs, listen, whenever somebody else gets theirs, whether it's the promotion you thought you should get or the praise you thought you should get when somebody else got it and you did the same thing last month and you didn't, nobody said anything about your stuff. Whatever, whenever somebody is getting theirs, hear me, they are not getting yours. Whenever somebody gets theirs, they never get yours. God is big enough to praise and bless somebody else for what they do without depriving you of the moment. But what he does do is, is take you out of the environment of encouragement whereby you would like your soul stroke to reveal the envy on the inside that would not be revealed had you not seen somebody else get the praise you thought you were supposed to get. And now you get the privilege of repenting. (laughs) You didn't know it was there, but now you know. And you can become more like Jesus. When the body suffers, every member suffers with the body. Walk from the from the bed at 2 a.m. to the bathroom and stub your little toe on, on the left foot, the left little toe. Go ahead and hit it against the leg of the, of the couch, the chair. Ouch! Sanctified, you said. Ouch! Go! You forgot you were going to the bathroom. (laughs) All of your attention goes to the little toe. Your hands, your mind, your mouth, your legs, your knees, everything goes to help the little toe. And when somebody's in pain, don't you ignore it. You run to them in prayer. You help them. How can I support you? 
That's what the body does. And lastly, it prefers honor. I see Stephen Law up here. He's the guy who did the offering. I remember when he was 11. When y'all like him, when I see him do great, I get happier about that than anything I do. When Jared Green is up here, 28 years old, preaching the gospel like he owns a house, I sit there and say, oh, that's so good. I'm so happy for that boy. I'm just so happy. When I see anybody else doing great, it makes me so much more happy than if it were me doing great. The body ought to always rejoice when it's doing well and never think that somehow when somebody gets theirs, they took mine. God wants us to think like this so that we can be a witness to the world of what the community of his believers should be like. Different. Not guided by bitterness. Not separated because somebody hurt you. Always trying to find a way to heal that which is hurt. That which is divided, bring it back together. Not letting some offense become so big that it separates you from a part of the body that you desperately need. Not backbiting. Not talking bad. The only reason you need to say something negative about somebody else to somebody else is if that somebody else can help in the situation. Are you listening? If they can't help, they don't need to know. And don't do one of these. I just want you to pray with me about something. (laughs) Don't do that. Sanctifying your gossip? Stop it. Let's pray. Daddy, I love you. You're amazing. Help us to be the kind of people we ought to be. Your body.